Welcome to this moving episode of About the Adventure podcast with my guest Louise Earnshaw. After teaching for 20 years, Louise left her job in April 2023 to be a freelance outdoor instructor and artist. She says that she is so much happier managing her own time and pursuing the things she loves. Please join us in this Peak District woodland with your flask, a pencil and a drawing pad because Louise has a creative task for you at the end of her interview. What does it feel like being sat here on a Wednesday morning when just a few months ago you would have been doing your job as a teacher? Yeah, it's a crazy thought. Very quickly I've become quite attuned to it. I was quite expecting to leave the classroom and for quite a few months after think, oh, I would be doing that, I would be teaching that class now, or I would be on duty on the playground. For the first couple of weeks, I felt very much like that. I was at home in my art studio thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not earning any money today. I'm sat at home doing some artwork or, or starting to plan for building the business or organising my outdoor work that I'm now doing. And I was quite nervous about that for the first couple of weeks, but... Then I got very busy working as an outdoor instructor and I'd started to get my process together of, you know, the administration of invoices and organising things and adding to my website, thinking about workshops that I was going to do. And I very quickly kind of became more, not forgot about being in the classroom, but it soon went. The only reason it crops up still is my dad often mentions it. <laughs> so um, over the past couple of months, um, when I see him, he'll often say that thanks to this career change that he feels like he's found me again. So I was struggling quite a lot as a teacher, the pressures and, and the anxieties of it. And actually moving away from that I feel like I've found my personality again I feel like I've become more of me again and every time I see him he'll say just think you would have been sat in a classroom this week you would have been doing this you would have done that and actually he's probably the only reason that I sometimes think about it (laughs) so that's that's been an interesting change but being here yeah it's quite a privilege it's quite a privilege to know that actually on a weekday for 20 years I was always doing the same thing on a timetable very structured timetable had to stick to a particular routine had to go to the toilet at a particular time of the day and it's quite liberating to have the flexibility now and being able to sit in a woodland on a Wednesday morning enjoying the birds and the scenery and the breeze and the sheep in the background it's quite nice when you were talking then you almost made it sound like how I remember it being a child at school only being able to go to the toilet when a teacher says you can (laughs) so is it like that even as a teacher that is it so bound by rules is it like being back at school again as a kid yes it's very much is one of the strangest things I think when I was coming to the point of considering leaving teaching And it was a really interesting day because I was driving, I worked at the same school for 20 years. 
which not all teachers do. And it was purely because I really enjoyed the school that I worked at. I had a really good rapport with the students. I had some amazing colleagues. It was convenient because it wasn't far from where I lived, which was great. But I can remember driving down the same road again every morning and turning at the crossroads thinking, I've been doing this for all this time. And you're driving into school and having the same routine. And I felt very much like, it's going to sound a little bit morbid, but what if this is the only thing I ever know in my life? Was I went to school as a child, I then went to university, and then I went back into a classroom. <laughs> and all I've ever done is be in a classroom. What if, you know, there's, there's life outside of a classroom? And I suppose that was one of the things that I kept considering um, before I made the big decision to leave teaching it is very structured so as even as a teacher these set times that you would have briefing in the morning you had to be at briefing by a particular time and then you would be outside lining children up and you would have to stick with the timetable structure you would only be able to go to the toilet at break or lunchtime if you had time and then you know you'd have clubs on and um, you'd struggle to find time to eat your dinner because there'd be students needing support or help or you might be on duty. And there'd be some days you'd get to quarter past three or half past three and think, oh, now I can go to the toilet because I've not had time. So it was extremely structured. And, and I've gone from that to things that are now structured by me and only me. Well, some of the companies that I work for freelance obviously have a structure but it's very flexible in comparison i've got a big combination of things so since i left teaching i've been working freelance as an outdoor instructor primarily with duke of edinburgh students which is brilliant because i still get to work with young people and teach there's a lot of navigational teaching which i really enjoy and i quite like the characters that you get with students that was part of what i really enjoyed as a teacher dealing with those different characters and sometimes this challenges different characters are challenging in different ways and I quite enjoy that so primarily I do a lot of Duke of Edinburgh award expeditions bronze silver and gold and they're in various different places around the UK so Derbyshire uh, the Lake District I've been doing some closer to where I live at the moment which is Lincoln and so Bedfordshire Cambridgeshire Leicestershire um, so it's quite nice that I even I'm getting to see parts of the country that I'd never have been to before. But I also as a freelance instru uh, outdoor instructor, I've recently term been part of a charity event in the Lake District. So that's the first time that I've done an event like that. So I was part of a big, larger team organising a canoe station because it was a big charity event with cycling, canoeing and then a mountain phase. And I was part of a big team supporting the participants, making sure that they were fed and watered and in the right place at the right time, putting the infrastructure up for the event to happen and then taking it down the following day, being out on the mountain, supporting the, the, the teams on the mountain. And I really enjoyed that. It was... Um, really different experience I enjoy working as part of a team and I found that quite difficult sometimes as a teacher teaching is being part of a team but actually you're solo a lot of the time in your classroom doing doing your own thing I really enjoy actually 
actively physically doing things together with other people and I spent three days doing that in the Lake District and actually really enjoyed it the physical effort and seeing the achievement of just even putting bike racks up and getting things set up and and I'm quite a bit I'm a bit OCD about how everything looks and having it all tidy and I was in charge of a particular transition station and I felt really satisfied sorting all the bags out and making sure that when people came in from the cycle phase they were easily finding their canoe kit and and chatting with the participants it was just really enjoyable experience that I'd never done before is the outdoor instructing is that something that you did alongside teaching or is that something that's really new for you no so I've I've done that for a very long time as a child I struggled quite a bit with my reading and writing so I've got quite a few dyslexic tendencies um, and found school quite a challenge art was always a big thing for me it was always a big part of who I was and thankfully my parents were really encouraging of that and and always kind of you know knew that that was my release that was my enjoyment in life and encouraged me to do it but when I went to secondary school I'd actually started to learn to sail with my dad um, so he always wanted to learn to sail but my mum and my sister didn't like boats at all so I happened to go on a residential and went sailing and came back and was really excited about it and three weeks later my dad bought a boat and decided that we were going to learn to sail so I think I'd had at that point, that was at the age of 10, I'd had a bit of time in an outdoor environment. I never went hiking. We had a dog as a child and we'd go for dog walks and, and we would go on holiday to the North Wales and go for little walks along the rivers and things. But we never went real hiking. But I'd had that experience of being outdoors and enjoying, I suppose, outdoor environment, sailing with my dad. And then when I went to secondary school... One of the teachers I had had said about these residentials that they did as part of the school in Derbyshire. So I went on one of the residentials near Buxton and we went hiking and mountain biking and caving and canoeing. And I thought it was the best thing that I'd ever done. And I went home and chatted to my parents about it. And I was so excited. And part of the excitement came from the fact that I realised at that point that I could read a map reasonably well, probably more so than some of my peers. I think that's because I'm quite a visual learner, so I could picture the map and the symbols and make sense of the world around me from that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I think in a way that built some of my confidence, and my confidence was really low, partly at school because of my um, challenges academically. It gave me that encouragement and confidence to do something that maybe other people couldn't do. And I really enjoyed it. So I carried on doing that, started getting involved in that more through the school that I was at. Um, I never did the Duke of Edinburgh Award myself as a student because we didn't do it at school, but we'd go on these residentials. So most of my secondary education, I was out on residentials in Derbyshire. We went to the Lake District. We went to Scotland on a canoeing expedition, which was pretty crazy at the age of 16, canoeing for seven days through locks and things. The weather was horrendous. It rained every single day. We wild camped. It was the first time I'd wild camped. And again, I can remember saying to the teacher at school, he said, 
Louise, I'd really like you to come on that. And I said, no, I'm not physically fit enough to do that. That's like really quite a thing that I don't think I'd be able to do. And he was so encouraging. And he said, it's not about the physical fitness. And anyway, I need a team photographer because he knew that I did a bit of photography and I was an art or an art student. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll come on it. And it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done, but it was just absolutely amazing. And the friends that I did it with, one of which I'm still friends with now, she's worked as an outdoor instructor for a very long time. So it just those experiences, I think, built my confidence. And we all talk about teachers that, and as an ex-teacher, is very important. We have teachers that inspire us and, and enable us to do those things. And he was definitely one of those. Um, spent a lot of time in Derbyshire in a cronky, bright yellow, orange minibus driving around having adventures. <laughs> and I loved all of that. So then when I became a teacher, uh, one of the first things at the school I was working at was somebody mentioned the Duke of Edinburgh Award. And I was thinking, well, yeah, OK, that sounds quite good f- for something I could do. I can go out at the weekends and teach some of the students navigation and things. And when I first started doing it, I was literally just learning from the teachers that I was working with. I'd never done the Duke of Edinburgh Award myself. So I was learning all the skills of how to kind of teach the navigation and go out and checkpoint and make sure that the students were safe and happy. And I was doing that for the first two years of teaching. And then not long after that, one of the geography teachers that I was really close friends with um, mentioned an overseas expedition that she was starting to organize she said if we get enough students Lou um we need a second member of staff to come would you like to go and I was like well yeah maybe what does that involve and she says it involves being in Kenya for four weeks and we're going to go on some trekking and we're going to hopefully summit Mount Kenya and do some project work in a local school as part of a charity and I was petrified because I'd only ever been to Europe never been out of the UK other than Europe anyway I decided that that would be a great idea because Rachel knew what she was doing but then midway through the program she got pregnant and told me that she wasn't going to be going on that expedition and then I ended up taking it over so at the age of 26 only been teaching a couple of years I found myself flying out to Kenya with 19 students which was really scary one of the scariest things I think I've ever done but probably one of the best things I've ever done because it built my confidence and and as a classroom teacher I was quite controlling and um, a lot of teachers would recognize that and being in that environment where you cannot control all the things that are going to happen the students are in charge of the money and the budget and that was quite scary because you think oh what if they overspend things but actually part of that expedition process is for them to do that and it was brilliant because it taught me so much and I think when I came back from that even being in a classroom was I was more freeing about how I taught I was more trusting of, of students I was more trusting of my own intuition to let them try things and it not always be perfect And so it's all built up from that, and that led to me doing my training as a mountain leader. How do you balance all of the different elements of your work? Yeah, well, I'm still finding that out at the moment. So it's only been three or four months since I left teaching, 
and actually balancing all that out is is part of the new challenge i suppose primarily my main income at this moment in time is as a freelance outdoor instructor so then what i find is i've booked that work in earlier on in the year and that tends to work from march time to october and i know that my diary is quite full with that but then in between that what i've been able to do is start to build my own art business so during the pandemic before i left teaching i started to build some of that business so doing art commissions primarily wildlife illustration because that's my degree so i mostly do um, drawings of wildlife bird life animals but i like to paint landscapes as well which is more of a personal thing and i don't always sell those but i quite like to do that and i was building that for quite a while so then while i was teaching and then as part of that now in between doing my outdoor instructing work i'm starting to try and build that further so i've been part of a couple of exhibitions locally in lincolnshire Um, I'm currently selling some of my artwork and products at two different venues in Lincolnshire. And through that, I've been able to now start offering workshops. So um, at the moment, I tend to teach beginner lino printing workshops at two different venues. And I also do green sketching, which I was introduced to by... Ali Foxen, Dr. Ali Foxen, which you interviewed as part of your podcast. And that was how I knew who she was. So I didn't know who she was until then. I bought her book, read her book, thought, this is amazing. This is exactly the type of thing that I was doing. So when I went to university to do my degree as a wildlife illustrator, I studied in Carmarthenshire in South Wales. And it was amazing. It was one of the best parts of my life because we would go to college for the day and our in, our um, lecturer would say, grab your hiking boots and your bag and your sketchbook and we're going out in the minibus somewhere. And you'd say, where are we going to go today? And he'd say, oh, I don't know yet. And we'd get in the bus and off we'd go. And, and I can remember coming back to halls one afternoon and a load of the people I lived with were doing kind of engineering or sports science and they'd maybe been in a lecture for two hours and they say, Lou, where have you been? You've ju- only just got back and it's six o'clock in the evening. And I'd be like, oh, we went to Skomer Island today to draw the puffins. And they'd be like, well, sh- that's just weird. Well, it wasn't for me. It was, I absolutely loved it. And green sketching, being out in nature and drawing from nature, really is what I've been doing a lot of my life. Um, it's what influences a massive part of my own artwork. So coming across um, Ali was brilliant and I contacted her said this is amazing this is something that I'm really you know in tuned with and something that I really like to do personally and so she offered to train me as an ambassador which was fantastic and I did that training early on in April I think I'd been teaching for such a long time and I think this is not a complaint to the place where I was teaching but because I'd been there a long time I think people get taken for granted and I think I was taken for granted and it was just seen that I was there every day doing my job and I was doing a good job but since I've left teaching people have been so complimentary about my skills skills that I probably knew that I had and I knew I could transfer them and use them but I'd not really thought 
Um, I think we're our own worst critic and I'd not been kind to myself about that in a way. I'd kind of just assumed I've got these skills, yeah, okay. But I went and spent a day with Ali and she just, she kept saying, I can't believe how many skills you've got here that you could transfer and use in so many different ways. And that encouragement just made such a difference and already... I've been, only yesterday, I was at a primary school locally in Lincoln doing a full day of green sketching workshops with little year threes and year fours for the whole day, which is quite new to me because teaching is, I think, quite straightforward for me. But I've always taught 11 to 18-year-olds, so the little ones were quite interesting yesterday, but really enjoyable. And just seeing even their nature garden in their school through their eyes was fantastic because I spend a lot of time in nature and I do observe nature but they see it in such a different way and that's really nice for me to now have that as a new part of my career change. And what was it about Ali's training that made you just kind of fly with it just go right (laughs) this is what I'm doing now? Yeah, her encouragement was amazing and we got quite a lot in common. We talked at length about art and how important it is for our own well-being and our own mental health. And that's always been the case for me. And I, I like I said to her, I was so grateful that my parents recognised that at such an early age. And I mentioned it earlier that some family friends had said to my parents, oh, you know, she's going to university to do art. That's a, that's a lot of money to pay for, for art. What is she going to do? And my mum's response was, it doesn't matter what she does after she's done this degree because actually she's happy doing what she wants to do and we're happy that she's happy doing something that she really cares and, and is passionate about. And I'm really grateful for that because I think that comes into play now that that's probably that encouragement even back then has given me that faith to have the belief in in doing something that you really care and you're passionate about and Ali's the same she got to the point where she knew that what she was doing was not you know really satisfying what she wanted to do anymore and I felt the same about that um, and I felt that a big change was was appropriate and needed to happen. How long had you been thinking about it? Leaving teaching, it'd been on my mind probably for about four years before I actually left. And that was quite tough because I went through quite a rough patch as a teacher. Um, We had quite a lot of changes. We've had a lot of educational changes, which a lot of teachers will will appreciate. Very target-driven, and and we know that in many industries, not just teaching, there's a lot of target-driven approaches now. And it went against the grain for me a little bit, that did, because as a teacher, and I I know pretty much every teacher I know believes this, that the children that are sat in front of them are the most important part of their job and their career. And that was always the case for me, but it became slightly disjointed from that at times where it felt like you were then seeing those children as we've got to get these targets, we've got to meet these particular levels of whatever it may be, particularly for Ofsted. And I didn't want to mention Ofsted too much, but it is a big demand in teaching. And that was getting me down quite a lot. And I was working big hours. So I'm quite a conscientious, motivated person. 
And if I see a problem with something, I'll try and fix it. And that was then creating further workload because I was at school thinking, oh, that lesson could be better or I could do this to make that better. That was making further workload for myself. I was creating that. No one was telling me to do that. However, other people were telling me that I needed to do uh, reports and contact parents. And there's, there's a lot of administration that's come in in the past few years with teaching that was then adding to that workload and I was working really, really long hours, not having any time for myself to do my own artwork, not having any time to go out for a run or any physical activity, even getting outside, which I know um, is a real big thing for me and not just for me, for many people. We all know now that for our mental health, that's really important. And it had just kind of gone. I knew it had gone and I knew that I was slightly in control of that, but I almost lost control of knowing when to stop and was very much like, I've just got to get on and I'd get home from work and think, I've just got to get these books marked, it's got to be done. Um, And I wasn't very forgiving of my own uh, mental health, I suppose, at that time. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I was worried about going to work the next day and being given another big job to do and another big job to do and I'd just worry about not keeping up with the workload so that went on for quite a while took me quite a long time to come to a situation where I even consider leaving teaching because I love being in a classroom and I love working with students and I actually felt that I was maybe going to let down my parents because I'd gone to university to do my degree and I'd done that really well and then I'd trained to be a teacher and I kind of felt like if I leave teaching then all that time and effort that I spent training to be a teacher and was then a waste I I know it's not a waste because I'm using it a lot in what I'm doing now and I've learned so much from those years of being in a classroom but I toyed with all sorts of different things and if you want the honest truth one of the biggest reasons that I didn't take the plunge earlier than probably I could have done was all about finances. So I live on my own and I support myself and I'm quite proud of the fact I'm independently looking after myself. But I was constantly concerned about the finances. How am I going to look after myself? How am I going to pay my bills? Um, And I've always been quite careful with money I've never been on fancy holidays and spent a lot of money on clothes and things. I'm not a very materialistic. So really, I don't know why I had that worry. It was just there. I think it's part of society. I think society makes us think we've, you know, we've got to have more money to to make us happy. And all these typical things that I used to tell students not to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I ought to have thought about it myself. So I had that concern for quite a while and I just kept thinking I won't be able to make enough money, as, particularly as an artist, or what if the outdoor work that I'm trying to do, I don't get enough of it or it won't be there in the winter. So one of my first plans was that I would maybe look at being part-time as a teacher. But actually, I tried to ask for that and the school were quite supportive of, of me doing that but for various different reasons that never came to fruition and I got to the point where I went back into teaching in September last year so 2022 thinking this has got to be the year that I have part-time it it needs to happen now 
Um, and that's probably three years after I'd started thinking about leaving teaching. And I kept asking and asking. And again, the thing, the ducks weren't lining up for the school, to be fair. And it was really, it was a really funny day because I, um, I went into work and it, again, it's been on my mind for quite a while about leaving teaching, but taking that big step was quite scary. And we had a meeting one morning and I can even remember the date of that day because we had this meeting and it's quite an intense meeting and there was a big workflow suddenly got dumped on our on our desks, really big things. And I sat and I thought, how how am I going to get all that done? How am I going to get all of those j- different jobs that have just suddenly fallen on our desks in two weeks? And it wasn't just me. There was young teachers in my department that have only been teaching three years that would just look like rabbits in the headlights. Like, how are we going to get all this done? And I had this wave of anxiety, which I recognised because I've had it before. And I'd had it before where it made me quite poorly. And I sat there and I thought, I can't do this anymore. This is not going to change. I've got to change. I've got to do something about this. I can't wait for somebody, somebody to change this situation that I'm in because it's not going to change. And I can't carry on feeling this way because it's not doing me any good did you feel like you didn't have a voice in school and in the system did you feel like did you feel powerless to be able to do something about it within the system yeah very much so and that's quite sad because I was highly respected in many ways yeah and I'm not the only teacher that would probably say that there's so much of that happening at the moment that's really sad It's made me quite sad and it made me quite sad actually leaving teaching because I very rarely say this, but I was I was quite a good teacher and the students really liked me. Not all of them. There was always some that didn't. (laughs) But that's the case in life anyway. And some of the students said to me, oh, Miss, why are you leaving? We really like your lessons and we enjoy what we do with you. And I was like and they were like, and you've been here for a long time. And it's like. Yeah, and it's not you. Some students thought that I was leaving teaching because of them. And I said, if it was because of your behaviour, I'd have left 19 years ago. Because, (laughs) no disrespect, children's behaviour is children's behaviour. Adults' behaviour is adults' behaviour. We've all got behaviour. It did feel very much like, no matter what I believe, so sometimes I would question some of the administration tasks that we were being asked to do, and I wonder what the purpose was. And I, and I was quite pragmatic about life. I know I'm not right about everything. But I would think, is this just me? Is this in my head? Because I'd go home quite grumpy and feel quite angry and think, I'm just doing this. And it's got no purpose. It's not benefiting me. It's not benefiting the parents or the students. Why am I doing this? And often I'd have those conversations with colleagues at work because I would always like to just double check that it's not my own paranoia or grumpiness about something and it it would often be the case that people agreed but we did often feel quite powerless in the fact that a decision had been made and that decision was going to hold and you had to continue with what you were expected to do Um, and you weren't really entitled to or not encouraged to question what you were being asked to do which was quite sad really Because like I say, I'm not sure that was the best thing for the students. And sometimes the students would notice how 
um, anxious or stressed or grumpy. Sometimes they would say that, um, you know, you're a bit grumpy today, miss. <laughs> and you'd say, yeah, I am. And it's not actually because of something that you guys have done. It's it's the, the situation we're all working in. And I often comment that that is not just in education. It's in many sectors in, in the UK at the moment and probably across the world. It's a challenging time for lots of people. So I'm not disillusioned to think it's just in education. Yeah, and that, that's why it's important, I think, to have the opportunity to talk about it because it is like this this interview isn't just for teachers who are maybe thinking about career change or feeling they're on their own Mm. it's um like you say it's within with all sorts of institutions in society and that feeling of powerlessness it can really have a strong impact on other areas of your life and it can go on for years and years and years and yeah it's it's really well it's really exhausting but also yeah like you say it can cause anxiety and all sorts of things and eventually yeah, maybe you do get to this point where you say I just can't do this to myself anymore yeah that's pretty much what happened it was uh that particular day I just thought I can't this feeling of anxiety it's not good for me and it's not making me a good teacher actually I was you know, thinking that sometimes some of my behaviour or my reactions to circumstances would be overreactive because of the pressure that I was under. And it made me kind of think that's not the person I am and that's not what I like. I don't like that about myself. So like I say, that particular day I walked out on the playground and I think I'd decided. And it was quite an interesting feeling because it had been on my mind for quite a long time so it wasn't a new it wasn't reactive I'm not an overly reactive person to be fair I'm quite considered about what I do in my life so I think it was it was just like a yeah that's what I'm going to do I've got to do that now and I suppose for me in a teaching circumstance um, I sometimes do a little bit of work as a supply teacher in between doing my outdoor freelance work and my uh, workshops as an artist and green sketching and and art own artwork so I do have a I suppose a safety net there as a supply teacher there's often work available and has it have you taken a big hit financially has it been something is it something that you're still concerned about a few months into this new career change I was for the first couple of weeks I think because I was just sat at in my art studio thinking I'm working but I'm not being paid today which was quite strange but then as the outdoor workers suddenly picked up I'm not earning exactly the same wages as I was before but I am earning more than I anticipated I would so that for me is reassuring and I know that that will like anything working for yourself it's interesting because my dad had his own business and for a very long time he kept pointing out to me that when he took the leap to leave his paid employment to become self-employed that he had a wife and two children to support and I haven't I'm not in those circumstances he didn't actively encourage me because he's never been a person to tell me or my sister what to do he's very much you make your own journey Um, but he would often say you are really sensible with money you know you work hard I know you can do this 
you've just got to get to a point where you feel that you can. And he asked me a couple of weeks ago and I said, actually, I've earned more money this month than I really anticipated and comfortably. So I haven't, it's, it has that, that anxiety about that, which is probably the only anxiety I have at the moment. Um, has it's definitely in the back of my mind it's not in the forefront of my mind which is satisfying what would you say are the unmet needs that you experienced as a teacher that you're now discovering about yourself now how are you meeting those unmet needs from teaching I've definitely got a better balance and I am definitely having more time to do physical activity which naturally comes from being an outdoor instructor because you're out uh, doing a lot more of that and I noticed that my fitness levels had dropped considerably over the past couple of years just because of the demands of working all those hours and not having time to do anything physical. So I suppose my personal needs of be needing to be quite physically active, I am now able to control more of that because I have control over my day and what I'm doing. And a lot of the outdoor work I do is even though I'm not I'm I'm kind of on a format for that um I'm physically active for that anyway and then on the days when I'm at home doing my own artwork or like yesterday when I was doing my work at a primary school I still had time in the morning to do yoga before I went out uh, to the school which I'd have never have had time to have done when I was actually working as a teacher because I needed to be at school so early to prepare for the day that I wouldn't have time to do that in the morning and then I'd get home from school and I'd be busy thinking I've just got to eat my dinner and then I've got to just get on with all this work and if I'm honest some of that was probably my own inability to switch off from some of that work I would just be panicking all the time thinking it's just got to be done some people are better at managing that than probably I am. But when I left teaching, I knew that that was something I'd really got to work on personally. So even though I know that I'm putting, I put a little bit of pressure on myself to make sure I'm up to date with my admin, admin invoices and things like that and any artwork and thinking, how can I promote this next thing? Or I've got this idea, how am I going to do that? I'm definitely being kinder to myself because I think I'm the owner of all of the decisions that are being made and that's why I can be kinder to myself because I'm not panicking about the next thing that somebody is going to tell me to do and that's really liberating actually I think that's one of the most liberating things about the career change Is there anything that unsettles you about now having freedom because like you say you spent so long in that classroom environment does it feel really new or does it feel risky or does it just feel really exciting oh it's really interesting because I think when I when I first handed my notice in somebody said to me oh how does it feel it's interesting a lot of teachers will ask you that, <laughs> ask you that because they're evidently I don't know, probably got that idea in the back of their They're minds. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kind of, I felt, when I, when I wrote my notice, which was a big thing for me, 20 years of teaching in the same school, um, writing that letter was quite scary. But actually handing it in, it felt right. And I did think, oh, I'm going to hand it in and then next week I'm going to have a like a, 
anxiety attack about, oh, crikey, what have I done? And I never had that. I was expecting to think, oh, what have I done? But that never happened. And even in the run-up to leaving teaching, I'd got so much that I'd already kind of organised that was in place that I don't think I was, again, panicking about, or oh, what am I going to do when I actually left? Because I'd got quite a few things booked in. Some of which I was a bit scared about because I want to do a good job. I've always been like that. I've been conscientious of I want to do a really good job. So even working on this mountain event or this charity event over the weekend, I was a bit like, oh, I've never done that before. I have no idea what I'm going to be expected to do, how I'm going to do it. But the guy that I work for for that particular company is so complimentary of my skills often very complimentary of my skills and many of the other instructors that he works with he's a really good at looking after his staff that he often puts me at ease and and makes me think actually yeah I can do that that's probably something I'm a bit worried about but I probably can do it why do you think it is that you do doubt yourself even though you've got all these skills and you've got encouraging parents and you've had encouraging teachers in your life why is it that you think you do have these doubts and I say that as somebody who also experiences (laughs) (laughs) self-doubt so it's not a criticism it's just a curious question no it's a really interesting one and I think I've spent a lot of my life toying with that it's like imposter syndrome and I talk a lot about it because I get that a lot I mean uh, it's interesting that uh, I should ask answer the question and the question really I think stems from school as a child that being a very young child in a classroom and feeling so inadequate in comparison to my peers my sister was a lot more academic than me at school and my parents were brilliant and never compared us they often talked about the fact we're different characters we still are we're very different people and we've got very different skills that are really good and it wasn't ever them so it was never my parents that created that anxiety I think it was school I think I I mean I was in school in the 1980s when (laughs) it was very different and some of the teachers were not that kind and I felt quite apprehensive about a lot of things in school I was scared to read out loud that was a real big anxiety for me um, with my reading issues I found primary school particularly quite a challenge and I can remember my parents having a meeting with the head teacher at the time about my literacy issues. And my mum often used to say to me, and I think she shared this information because she wanted me to know how much they'd supported me. My head teacher had said to my parents, don't worry, she'll do okay in life. She just won't be a doctor. And I think my mum had decided, well, hang on a minute, that's almost writing off my daughter. And and just because she's not the most academic person doesn't mean that she's not, not capable of having a really successful life. And I'm really grateful for my parents because they paid for me to have a private tutor in the end, which I hated at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh no, every Monday night I've got to have this guy come round, this teacher, and teach me to read and write and... Um, but I am really grateful for that because without that, I probably... And, and bearing in mind, my dad had his own business and he wasn't earning brilliant money, but they were paying this person to come round. And that made a bit of a difference. I know, and I don't admit this outwardly very often, that I have a confidence issue. 
and a lot of my friends and peers that know me would probably find that quite gobsmacking <laughs> because I put a facade up like many people do with you know imposter syndrome or a confidence issue we often put that barrier up and I think I learned to do that at such a young age was almost pretend or be quiet like you were saying be quiet in the classroom just don't say anything no one will ask you to do do anything or it's like a trick of invisibility you try and make yourself invisible yes it is yeah and I've done I've done that quite a lot in life but then thankfully people have pushed me to do things that I probably think are totally out of my ability and and I have achieved them and I have done some things that I never dreamt I would ever do in my entire life that have been successful and my dad always used to say that if you put hard work in that's all that matters work hard and I have always worked hard, although in more recent years, he he did say to me, maybe that was the detriment to you teaching because you were working too hard. <laughs> Be careful to have a bit of a balance, which is good advice as well. Yeah, I often, I was thinking about this the other week. So I'm not a competitive person, but it's like having, you know, like a, a um a pb when people like the personal best whatever your personal best is (laughs) on a run or whatever it is and i often laugh to people say i'm not bothered because i do a bit of running but i'm not a competitive runner and i go oh no i just like to run around and look at the birds and listen to the birds and have a little run and then i'm keeping fit but we you know we do still challenge ourselves i think internally we challenge ourselves and when you don't quite do something that you think you ought to you're quite bad you're quite tough on yourself so the other week i was walking in the fells in in the lake district for personal reasons and i was thinking lou you're just so slow you're a mountain leader why are you being so slow and oh crikey my legs are hurting and i'm out of breath and this that and the other And then I thought, why am I even thinking these things? I'm only thinking it because I'm on my own and I'm in my own thoughts. And actually, the fact I'm on my own means it's perfectly okay because you're not (laughs) with anybody else. Nobody else is judging you. It's just you that's judging you. And part of that's because my fitness levels have, have, you know, kind of lacked a little bit in more recent years because of the pressures of trying to keep up with everything in teaching. And that's one of my personal aims at the moment is to improve on that and I know that that is improving already because I'm being out I'm out more doing more of the things that I used to do so I think I've yeah I've kind of always had a bit of a confidence thing which like I say a lot of people will find really strange because yeah and I suppose people listening as well because to stand in front of pupils at a school for some people that you know would be absolutely they'd be petrified of standing in front of young teenagers for example and also as an outdoor leader because you're going to be meeting all sorts of people taking all sorts of groups out again maybe young teenagers and being responsible for them and now with doing the green sketching workshops that's new isn't it and yet you're stepping up and you're saying yeah and and you do videos on instagram which (laughs) for a lot of people like me (laughs) is just no <laughs> yeah i think you're yeah. so brave to do that it's very strange because i don't i don't really know where it comes from like why i have that 
that it's a contradiction on what I was saying before. Like, where does that confidence come from to actually do that? I don't know. I talk a lot about my dad, and you'll notice that. He's a real inspiration in my life, and my mum was as well. My mum was so significant in my life. She's not around anymore, but my dad is he's still such... He's very wise. He's very level-headed about life. And, he'll, and he often used to say when I was little, if we were scared of something, what's the worst that can happen? And actually, uh, not, not, I mean, if you want to be dramatic, you could probably find something really dramatic. <laughs> but actually, nine times out of ten, nothing really serious is going to happen. Or nothing really bad's going to happen. And that really helped me, I think, to go, right, okay, I'm just going to give this a go. And it might go really wrong, and uh, but actually I'll learn something from doing that. And I think one of my coping mechanisms is um, I'm a bit daft and I don't mind people laughing at me. I don't know where that came from. I think it became, that maybe became a bit of a cloak as well, that I laugh at myself. And if I can laugh at myself and other people laugh at me, that kind of makes that okay. I was bullied as at primary school, and I considerably bullied at primary school. And again, that probably knocks my confidence quite seriously. And I don't know. I kind of developed this, uh, this like if I'm really daft or a bit silly, and I laugh at myself, that's okay because then if people laugh at me, I've already laughed at myself. So I don't know. It's like. <laughs> maybe part of that is part of the reason that you went into teaching because you had such a challenging experience as a student yeah massively it's really interesting that because i i kind of became a teacher unintentionally because i got my art degree and then i was knocking about at home for a couple of years going i don't really know what to do and one of my friends decided to train to be a teacher and she'd I've been chatting to her about it and she was really loving it and I'd done some volunteering work in a in a school near where I lived with my parents and I enjoyed it I enjoyed being with the young people so naturally thought okay I'll give this a go I'll, I'll go and do my training to be a teacher and then when I became a teacher I decided that every child deserves to have a chance regardless of whether they're academic, regardless if they're politely spoken or if they're a bit of a challenge with their behaviour, they all do deserve to have a chance. And one of my big things in a classroom was I used to say, and I say it even now if I'm supply teaching, all my rules are based around kindness. I'll be kind to you, you be kind to me, I'll respect you, you respect me we respect our environment whatever we're doing and that's a real big thing for me and it's interesting because when I left my teaching role I had a lovely speech off my head of department who had lots of very hilarious stories about the daft things I've been involved in and all the time I've been teaching and also kind of my abilities as a teacher but they asked me to do a speech I kind of anticipated they were going to ask me to do that and I was nervous of doing that but me being always well prepared, thought the night before, they're probably going to ask me to say something because I've been teaching here for 20 years. So I decided to talk about the teachers that we all remember. So I stood up in front of all the staff at the school that I was working at and said, teaching's really hard. It, it, ta- it consumes your entire life. 
you wake up thinking about it you go to bed thinking about it and that's not a bad thing but the reason that it's like that is because we care teachers are selfless in many ways they care so much about the the people in front of them the children in front of them and actually the teachers that I had at school we always have teachers that we can remember that are those brilliant teachers one was my art teacher absolutely very supportive of everything that I did and the other was this science teacher who was kind of like the outdoor guy got me involved in all the outdoor pursuits and things like that and I often say to other teachers you will be one of those teachers not to every student but some student somewhere will remember you and will talk about you as being their inspiration or their favorite teacher for whatever reason and one of the things for me when I went into teaching I almost wanted to be the kind of voice of the underdog (laughs) so I used to talk about the students that weren't academic but had the creativity or the elements of art or their outdoor you know passion for D of E or outdoors or something like that and I and I wanted to be the the person that kind of encouraged them to find yeah they weren't necessarily going to train to be a doctor or whatever it was because again we have in society we have this hierarchy of what we think are, are brilliant careers I wanted to be the teacher that helped them kind of figure out what they were going to do and almost support them in the things that they thought were a bit unusual I had I had a student that I took on an expedition to India once from school three teachers had said to me in the run-up to was leaving I cannot believe you're taking him to India he is a live wire he's going to be trouble he was absolutely amazing for three weeks in India because it was his environment. It was something he was really keen on. He loved hiking. He was fantastic at the school when we did the project. And I that was what I really wanted to do as a teacher. So I was kind of always wanted to give the students more of a variety than just being in the classroom. I wanted them to have chances to do things that were a bit different and I used to go on the ski trip quite a lot and you know kind of helping them students that would stand on a ski slope in the morning on the first day and say I can't do this and they'd do the first two hours and they'd be crying and saying I can't do it I can't do it miss and I'd go no we can you know you can if you keep trying you'll get there by the end of the week and those were the students that I really like working with I feel quite emotional listening to you (laughs) That was what I really, that, that I spent such a long time. It's why, I, it's why a part of that reason for leaving teaching was because towards the end of my teaching career, I was no longer doing the Duke of Edinburgh and I was no longer doing the overseas expeditions through the school that I was at. Now, the, that was for very various complex reasons, but that was part, I think that was a big part of my career change decision because I still wanted to do that because I know how important it was to me if I hadn't have done outdoor pursuits when I was 13 I don't think I would be sat here I know I wouldn't be sat here today I know I wouldn't be a mountain leader I I know that it gave me the confidence as a child to believe that I could do something that maybe other people couldn't do read a map uh, was a big thing for me and I want and I want even you know students now they all deserve to have that chance they have 
they deserve to have the chance to do something that's totally new, that's outside of a classroom. Classrooms have become quite controlled and actually that that disappointed me towards the end of my career that everything had become quite prescribed and quite controlled and that's quite sad because we want to I'd like to live in a world where people have got a bit of freedom and got chance to develop skills that they never knew they had it sounds like that's what you're doing for yourself now as well (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) one of the things that I've been thinking about while you've been speaking is I think a lot of it is about being seen isn't it as a as a youngster as a child being seen for who you are without the rules and without the regulations and it I think when you're unseen it will affect your confidence later on but I think by the sounds of it with you it also made you feel really determined to go and see people to to be a teacher and be that you know to work towards being that person who really sees them and helps them to shine and unfortunately and whereas I'm sure that you have made a huge impact on many people's lives the system maybe doesn't always support it as well as it could and this is you as a student however many years ago and the people who are now going into that system and you've you've made that decision to step out of it because you just can't you can't keep working within those walls no that was very true and that's interesting because that was partly what I spoke to Ali Foxton about actually that as an art teacher primarily not as I've talked a lot about the outdoor experience actually but as an artist I used to stand with my art students and say this is the advice I give you as Miss Earnshaw as your art teacher but then I'd step on one side (laughs) in the classroom and say now as Louise Earnshaw as an artist as an actual artist I would be doing this but there were constraints there was constraints in terms of meeting targets and grades and things and and sometimes I wouldn't agree with that because I would think the art artist freedom um it is for me and I mean I've got quite a lot of complex issues of my own to do with my own artwork and you know imposter syndrome is quite a good one for that because yesterday when I was working at the primary school and a little a little child came to the staff room door because we were having a break and said I've come to collect the artist and even then I thought I'm not really an artist and I listened to a lady on Instagram who I, I follow quite considerably a printmaker and she had a whole conversation once about being able to call yourself an artist because it almost feels like that's a hierarchy of of the art world and she often refers to herself as a printmaker because she doesn't believe that she's good enough to be an artist and I suppose there was an element of that yesterday when this little girl came and said, I've come to collect the artist. And I'm like, oh, crikey, I'm an artist. How <laughs> exciting is that? And I was like, I've never been called that before. So cute. It was really <laughs> lovely, actually. And then I felt quite proud. I was walking through the school thinking, yes, I'm the artist. <laughs> but um, th- and in the back of your mind, you're still thinking, well, I'm not really sure I am a really amazing artist. But there we go. Art is subjective. And... And it's interesting that as a teacher of art, again, that was quite a challenge for me sometimes. I would question quite a lot. I think it's a typical artist creative trait to be slightly on the opposite side to, you know, my dad always says that you're slightly awkward, aren't you? You don't, you're non-conformist in that respect. And I'm like, not purposely. I'm not doing it to be, you know, 
kind of purposely disagreeing with things but sometimes it grated on me that I would be telling a student to do a particular thing purely because I knew that that would get them a better grade and I but then that happens in many subject areas that's not just in art there's there's a lot of learning to pass the exam rather than actually learning to be the person you are and I found that quite difficult and I knew I was finding that quite difficult and I think towards the end of my teaching career it was like actually if you're finding that quite difficult that part is not going to change probably at the moment unless the whole system has a big overhaul so I've got to make that change for myself and I feel like the things I'm doing now I believe in it I believe so much more in the drawing that I was doing with the students yesterday and I was talking to them so much like Dr Ali does about you've all got anxieties about your drawing and this is not about drawing today in fact I introduced myself and said you've you guys have thought that you know Louise Earnshaw's coming in as an artist but actually I'm not here to teach you to draw and the little children were like why because you're an artist surely you're teaching us to draw and I said no I'm here to teach you to look at nature and spend time in nature and enjoy nature and we're just going to use a pencil and some paper to do that because I want you to not worry about your drawing because we all do even I do and I said to them I take sketchbooks out one of them asked me a question about if you're sat somewhere in public and you're drawing with your sketchbook do you get upset if people look at your work I thought I was really great question from an eight-year-old and I said yeah I do a little bit I feel a bit anxious because you're worried that somebody might judge your work and judge your drawing and she said but you're an artist so Mm. that's that's okay but I said I still have those anxieties and it's wrong that I have those anxieties because the reason I might be drawing in my sketchbook might be purely for my own enjoyment for no one else you know not to sell it not not for anybody else so actually we should be proud of the fact that we're just doing it and not worrying about what people think how did it feel saying that to those children you're looking at their faces looking up at you going what (laughs) this isn't what we expected how did it feel I really enjoy it and I feel quite proud that hopefully I am going to make some changes I came home yesterday afternoon and I think, and I saw five different classes yesterday, and there was probably thirty children in it, in each class, which is normal for a teacher to see that many classes in a day. But I did come home thinking, and I suppose it's the same when I was an actual teacher, that not that I'm not an actual teacher anymore. <laughs> that sounds a bit <laughs> daft, but there we go. <laughs> that hopefully some of those young people will go out in their own time I, I said to them all you need is a little little notebook and a little pencil you don't need to be having lots of fancy art equipment and even one of them said oh, I'm going to ask my mum if we can do it at the weekend and that's really cool because if that helps just a handful of people um, and we talked about how being out in nature makes us feel so much happier and, and, and at their age I think they know that I actually said to them I think at your age you do they they see it they see lots of nature that adults miss and i did say to them please try and remember that when you become an adult (laughs) that you know the things that you see now at your age remember that 
because we soon become adults and we soon become consumed by society and societal expectations and you know that's probably not that good for our heads sometimes i just hope that some of them remember it <laughs> i think they're so lucky to have had a, had a day with you so now it's your turn to ask a question not to me but to our listeners what would you like to leave everyone with so I had a really good think about this and I was listening to lots of your uh, for, uh, past podcasts thinking, oh, what am I going to say about this? So as an artist, I was thinking, if somebody had asked me to draw a picture and you don't have to be an artist to draw a picture in your head or on a piece of paper about what your ideal day would look like at work, that word work which we all know we do for a very long time in our lives what would it actually look like because if someone had have asked me that probably 10 years ago when I was happily teaching it definitely would have included mountains it definitely would have included art it probably would have included being outside with other people and that's what I'm doing now but I didn't expect that at the time I suppose but I think I've always known that that's that was really what was going to make me happy those are the things that make me happy and if you can bring that into your work life then that's amazing so maybe yeah draw a picture or picture in your mind what would it look like your kind of ideal day at work that'd be my question you're the first person I think that's had me crying during uh, <laughs> one of these interviews so <laughs> wow <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story it's been lovely to meet you and to share this woodland I don't know about you but I'm I'm pretty cold sat here yeah. in, in uh, early July <laughs> yeah it's a bit, we've chosen a not one of the warm days that we've had recently but Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. And um, and it's really nice to share things, actually. I think we're living in a world now where actually, and I say this to a lot of the young people I work with, be open about things because actually there are lots of people in our world around us that keep a lot of things private that they find challenging that actually if we were more open with each other about it, we'd realise that every, many people have got similar concerns, anxieties, challenges, whatever they are, and we might feel a bit better. And we might actually support each other a bit better as well. Be yeah. Nice. yeah, and I think it's interesting to capture that now because you're just a few weeks or a few months into this change. Yeah. And it's it, it's not like the fear and the worries just disappear it's not like you get to a certain stage and you go right <laughs> I'm sorted now like you're still you're still working on things and and having new ideas and meeting new people and yeah I just I just see it as um as something that evolves and actually there's been so many people that have supported me and people that have had career change so artists that I've worked with and outdoor instructors that I work with now and they have influenced me. And I, and I messaged one last night and just said thank you because she'd mentioned something on my Instagram. And I said, but you were part of that because you gave me that support. Didn't tell me to leave teaching, but just listened to my anxieties and my concerns or my thought process about what I was thinking at the time. So many people have supported me. 
and so many people have listened to me and that's really important and lots of people said I was very brave doing what I did it probably was quite brave it, it doesn't feel as uh, dramatic as I thought it was going to and I think that was reassuring for me I thought it was going to be a real massive big change but it's not been it's been it's organically been quite nice and flown so far hopefully everything carries on all right <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please visit abouttheadventure.com for more interviews like this and to get in touch with me, Sarah Lister, your grateful host.